Uh, Mitch, what mm, are you doing? Delicious. Uh, are you eating? Well, yes, I am. I'm, I'm eating cheesecake. But we're about to start the radio program. But it's almost the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot. And so I thought having a cheesecake handy would be a nice word picture for today's topic. Mitch, that's great and all, but this is radio. No one can see you. Okay. Well, that's good because the cheesecake is like all over my mouth. So, you know, it's better not to be seen. Shalom, everyone. I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. I'm here with my good friend, Robert Walter, and my delicious cheesecake. Oh, it is so good. So, Bobby, I wish I could give you a piece of this cheesecake, but why don't you introduce the show instead? Thank you very much, Mitch. And uh, shalom and hello, everyone. And as Mitch just mentioned, it is almost time for a very special holiday that the Jewish community uh, celebrates and also the Christian community celebrates, uh, and it's called Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks. So on this episode of The Chosen People, we are going to be talking about this special holiday that the Christian and Jewish communities really have in common. So stay tuned. So Bobby, give me some of the biblical historical background to the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot. And what does Shavuot mean actually literally? Yeah, great question, Mitch. So Shavuot literally means weeks. It's the Hebrew word for weeks. And the reason it's called the Feast of Weeks is because it is the culmination of the counting of the Omer, where God commands in Leviticus 23 uh, for Israel to count seven weeks and a day. So that's where the name comes from. Uh, And after seven weeks and a day, which is a total of 50 days, we come to this, again, very special holiday. And in Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16, this is what it says. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count 50 days to the day after the Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. So obviously very different than Passover because it's baked with leaven. And um, Passover, of course, is a feast of unleavened bread uh, as well. And I think uh, in modern-day tradition, Jewish tradition, at least the way I was raised in a Jewish home in the Jewish capital of the world, uh, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the counting of the of the seven weeks or forty nine days plus one. It was waiting for that one with great anticipation, not so that we can celebrate the fact that we had counted all forty nine plus one days, mm-hmm. but because it was time to break out the cheesecake. I know I'm getting a little hung up on cheesecake, but it's really good cheesecake. Right, I, it's understandable. And the whole thing about cheesecake actually is biblical, Bobby. It goes back to uh, the Song of Songs in chapter 4, verse 11, where whoever wrote Song of Songs, probably Solomon, said, Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue, and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. And so Jewish tradition encourages us to Mm -hmm. eat cheesecake and other really delicious sweet foods to remind ourselves of the sweetness. Are you ready for it? And and as as believers in Jesus, I think we're going to love this. We'd love the cheesecake too, but the truth behind it is even better. And that is, it's the sweetness of God's word. 
And so symbolically, that's what Jewish people believe Solomon was talking about in Song of Songs. And so it's all about the Word of God, and there's, there's this whole image of eating the Word of God and it being so delicious and so sweet to the taste. But there are other traditions uh, as well besides cheesecake, Bobby. Am I right? right? Right, absolutely. And they also have to do with the Word of God. Because again, if you look at how the Jewish community celebrates and observes Shavuot today, the main emphasis, yeah, cheesecake is a big part of it, right? And thank God for that. Thank God <laughs> yes. for that. Amen, amen. But the big emphasis on Shavuot is the celebration of the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. And it's based on Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, because the way that Exodus 19 begins, leading up to Exodus 20 and the giving of the Ten Commandments, uh, it starts out with uh, this sort of time marker, letting us know that it was the beginning of the third month. So, if you calculate, if you count the amount of days between the time when Israel was set free from Egypt on the Passover, on the 14th day of the first month, all the way up to the beginning of the third month, and then, you know, the days of preparation, it, it calculates to about 50 days, and then God gives the Torah at Sinai. So, really, in Jewish tradition, the celebration of Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks, is really a birthday celebration for the giving of the Torah. And right. so it, we, we celebrate the giving of the Torah, the five books of Moses, and really the entirety of the law. And it's called Zaman Matan Torah, the right. season of the giving of the law. And uh, we read uh, the Ten Commandments and meditate upon them. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually also read the Book of Ruth, which I love doing on Shavuot because it's a harvest story. But again, right. it reminds us of a God who is faithful and the right. faithfulness of God, and the light that he gives us to walk in his paths by giving us the Torah, by giving us his word, is mm. celebrated uh, on the Feast of Shavuot. So Mitch, you sort of alluded to it earlier, but what, what sort of uh, rabbinic or Jewish traditions uh, surround or come out or were fulfilled on Shavuot? Well, let me read from the book of Acts chapter 2, Bobby. Uh, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. These were the Messianic Jews. There came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, the, in verse 5, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And of course, then they were accused of being drunk and everything else. Mm -hmm. And so we learn uh, that there were Jewish people from every country uh, where Jews lived gathered in Jerusalem for this event. And that makes sense, Bobby, because Passover, uh, Tabernacles, and Pentecost, Shavuot, are the three major holidays where Jewish people from around the world came up to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival. Right, the pilgrim feasts. And so when the Holy Spirit fell upon these disciples and they heard the, the gospel preached in their own language, it was very similar with the signs and wonders at Mount Sinai mm -hmm. and the hearing of the gospel in different languages. This was very similar. And so it was a Sinai-like miracle mm. that came upon these early Jewish disciples and these Jewish people who are from all over the world listening. 
And uh, this would have given great evidence of the truth of God's word. And that's probably one of the reasons why thousands of Jewish people came to know Jesus as their Messiah, because they understood that this was something from God. It was a Sinai-like event. But there's more, isn't there, Bobby? Absolutely. Now, when we look at sort of like the function of the Torah uh, mm-hmm. and the law that God gave, it was, it was meant to set Israel apart as a different people. There, there's a lot of, uh, is, there's a moral code in the Torah. Uh, and it really, in many ways, equipped Israel to fulfill their purpose as a nation. Uh, and Israel's purpose as a nation, in many ways, uh, was to be a light to the other nations. They were supposed to share God's truth as revealed in his word with their neighbors. Um, so, you know, honestly, if you think about it, Israel was supposed to be evangelical. Israel was supposed to share the good news, the good message of God and God's word. Now, we take that understanding and we see that throughout Israel's history, unfortunately, she failed to live up to her her calling. Uh, And instead of Israel sharing God's truth with the nations, Israel began to uh, be influenced by the nations. Israel fell into idolatry. Israel fell into these, you know, dire straits and circumstances uh, because of our sin. So, it really set up the need for something greater. And when we come to the New Testament, we see that that something greater come to pass. Well, there was a, a wonderful promise in Jeremiah chapter 31, actually beginning at verse 31 all the way through verse uh, 35, where God promised that there would be a new covenant that would be made with the house of Israel, unlike the covenant which Israel had broken, as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And two new aspects of that new covenant would be, one, that our sins would be forgiven, and that's a marvelous, marvelous uh, uh, truth. And secondly, that he would write the law upon our hearts. Right. So again, the linkage between the giving of the law, this time not a law of stone, not something that we could see, but rather a law of the Spirit, the Spirit of God coming to indwell us, where Instead of naturally wanting to sin, supernaturally, when the law is written in your hearts, you want to serve God and serve him in righteousness. Verse 35 of Jeremiah 31 really nails it. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. And here it is. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Mm. But it also pointed to something incredible. In Acts chapter 2, 120 Jewish disciples, Messianic Jews, were gathered in an upper room and they were praying, waiting for the promise of the Father that was described in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, the promise of the Father fell upon those Jewish people praying in that upper room. When the day of Pentecost, that's just the Latin and actually the Greek uh, term, almost the same as Shavuot, It's the 50th day that's emphasized. When the day of Pentecost, 50, had come, they were all together in one place. And this Jesus, God raised up again, to which we were all witness, uh, Peter described, uh, was the subject of the message. And then uh, what happened in verse 41, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's because the disciples received the Holy Spirit, and they began preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a great Jewish tradition that maybe uh, in a few moments I'll share, Bobby, and it's just awesome to see the way God 
works in fulfilling his promises and even works through Jewish tradition. Right, right. And it's always just blown me away when we read Acts chapter 2 and we see that the very same year that Jesus became our Passover lamb on Passover, the very same year that he became the first fruits of the resurrection on first fruits, so too, when the time of Pentecost or Shavuot had come, God showed up right on time and pours out his Holy Spirit to indwell. The Holy Spirit sets us apart as holy. We, we are made holy because the Spirit dwells inside of us. And when we have the Spirit, we are uniquely equipped. We are given these gifts of the Holy Spirit for a purpose, so that we could take the message of God's good news and spread it all over the earth to the Jewish people first and equally to the Gentiles. So, Bobby, it's incredible. I mean, the plan of God is amazing. Jesus died on Passover, rose on first fruit, and the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, giving the disciples the power to fulfill the Great Commission and to preach the Word of God in power, transforming uh, lives and saving people from the darkness of sin. Incredible. What a plan, huh? In 1894, Rabbi Leopold Cohn founded Chosen People Ministries in Brooklyn, New York. And today, we stand as a credible, well-established mission that combines Jesus' biblical imperative to go and make disciples with the call to evangelize to the Jewish people first. We accomplish this mission with innovative and forward-thinking creativity. And if you'd like to partner with us this year, go to chosenpeople.com offer, and then click on the Give Today button. You can also give a gift through the mail or over the phone. Find all the details at chosenpeople.com offer. Your gifts help us continue to proclaim the good news that Messiah has come to Jewish people around the world. And for that, we thank you for your partnership. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And coming up right now, we're going to hear the testimony of Noam, a man who lost everything but found Messiah while working in a souvenir shop in Jerusalem. It's amazing to see the power of the Holy Spirit working in Noam's life. I can't wait to hear it. So I was born in Jerusalem, Israel, uh, to a conservative family. Uh, I graduated, as most kids, at the age of 18, then went to the army. Uh, In the army, you know, in Israel, you have to go. You want to go, you don't want to go, you just go. So, three years I finished as a sergeant, I was a tank commander, and I felt that martial art would be the way that would make me a better man. I'll be more in control, more disciplined. I knew that I was a mess. I saved some money, and at the age of 23, I left Israel and went to Japan to learn the art of the ninja. Everybody thought I was nuts. I ended up staying in Japan for 21 years. I didn't expect that. I thought I'm just going to learn the art of the ninja and then go back to Israel and teach it. I just got my black belt, the first hand, in the art of the ninja. Some of the stuff was new age stuff. And that caused me to think about life in a deeper aspect. And I realized that the art of the ninja is not fulfilling enough. It doesn't have the depth that I was seeking. I was starting to look to find the aura and see such stuff of new age. So I told my teacher of the ninjutsu that I'm sorry, but I have to leave. And I understood in that search that the real enemy is not other people around you. 
The real enemy is you yourself, and that's a battle that you're going daily. So I was looking for martial arts that will help me with that, and I found it after a few years of search. It was Japanese archery. It is an art that you're focused on finding peace and balance under the pressure of the bow. So I did that for a few years, um, but then I got married and that was the end of my martial arts career. The Japanese company that I was working for offered me a job in Belgium to be a president of a diamond company there to open a branch for them. That was the beginning of the end of my stay in Japan. And it turns out my marriage didn't work out, job didn't work out. And so at the age of 45, I came back to Israel broken. And so I had to ask money from my parents and to stay in my sister's house. It so broke me down, it so humbled me. And then I was working in Kumeran in the Dead Sea, it's a shop for tourists, when one blue day, this group from America came. And to my surprise, I see them holding hands and dance in the store. I mean, who is dancing in the store? I mean, come on, that's crazy. It hit me like a lightning in a blue day that this joy that I was seeing I've never had it, never experienced it, never seen it even. I didn't have such joy and I knew that I wanted it and I needed it. And then the manager of the shop introduced the pastor to me. That pastor named Devorah looked at me and just says, you have a broken heart, you're running away, you're searching for the truth, you've been to new age stuff. No, whoa, whoa, what a second, what's going on? How? How can she know all these things? Are you a fortune teller? So she got angry at me and she says, It's your God, the God of Avram, Isaac and Jacob, that told me about you. Wait a second, what's going on here? She is the Christian, I'm the Jew here. How come she's using the name of my God? How come you know my God and I don't? An interesting answer was, it's because you never looked for him. I was always searching about what I want to do. I was the center. I was my own master. I was so self-focused, it was disgusting. She gave me her Bible. The Bible that has the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Tanakh, and it's in Hebrew and English. And she told me that I need to read it, and also the New Testament, and if I won't read the New Testament, then God will know. After high school, most of us people don't open the Bible. And the religious Jews, they're focused on the Mishnah, the Gemara, the Talmud, the Kabbalah. Nobody's just focused on the Bible. She also asked me if she could pray for me. Nobody ever prayed for me. I mean, I just came out from Japan. Nobody's praying there unless someone died. So I said, yeah, sure. So she lay hand on me, my heart here, and prayed. And I don't know what happened. It was like a jolt in me. Uh, what happened? What happened? So she told me, what you just had now, it was the uh, Lord changed your heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And so when I read in the New Testament the scripture, I am the way, the truth, and the life, poof, it's all in one scripture, exactly what I'm seeking. I realized it all my life. I had been searching for the way, I was actually searching for Yeshua. And then when in Roman 1, 
Uh, the scripture says, the gospel is first of all for the Jews? How is that possible? I mean, this is a book for Christians, not Jews. And you see, most Jews have this aspect of Christianity is a Catholic. All these big churches and the masses that you have, the holy cracker and holy water and everything is so holy there that it just scares you. So after reading the New Testament and just falling in love with Yeshua, I knew what I need to do. I don't want to beat around the bush anymore. I want to have Yeshua in me like you have Yeshua in you. What do I do? So what she told me was, you simply ask him. Boom, went down on my knees. It was in the parking lot behind King David Hotel. Raised my hands and asked him to come into my life. And since that moment on, my life has changed. And that's one of the things that I want to tell Christians. You don't need to come with scriptures. You don't need to be so knowledgeable about the Bible or to start uh, arguing with Jews about scriptures to show them that Yeshua was also in the Old Testament. No need to do that. And that scripture come alive, Roman 11, that you guys are provoke the Jews to jealousy. I was jealous of her, of that group of Christians that they have such joy. You're ambassadors of Christ. Just bring your love and your joy and the Jews will come to you. I know that's what happened to me. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. The Jewish people and Gentiles have been brought together through the miracle of Shavuot. And honestly, we share so much in common from the roots of our faith and even to our calling and even to being empowered by the same Holy Spirit. Mitch, what do you think? Well, I think that's exactly right. And that's one of the great lessons of Shavuot is the unity that we have created by the Holy Spirit where Jews and Gentiles are united in the Messiah. But the question is united for what? Mm. We are united to proclaim the gospel to the rest of the harvest. If Jesus is the first fruits and the disciples were the beginning of the harvest, then we are the rest of the harvest. And our job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Gentile and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the rest of the harvest. And that's the great lesson of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. Together as one, Jews and Gentiles, in the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the good news to a dark and broken world. Interested in learning more about the Messianic Jewish faith or the Jewish roots of Christianity? Maybe you want to know how Jewish holidays point to the fulfillment of Jesus. Well then, be sure to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, Inside Israel. You'll receive weekly updates about our ministry, including videos, links to our podcast, a summary of the latest news coming out of Israel, a variety of downloadable resources, discounts in our online store, and so much more. Sign up today when you go online to chosenpeople.com offer. That's chosenpeople.com slash offer. Well, you've been listening to the weekend radio broadcast of The Chosen People. And if you've missed any of our previous programs in our growing archive, you can hear them online 24-7 when you go to chosenpeople.com slash radio. And then stay connected with us throughout the week. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Now here's Mitch once again to close us with the ironic benediction. 
Yidrech Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'ikunecha Yisa Adonai panavalecha V'yasem l'cha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'shem shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries.